Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. But tonight it is my distinct pleasure and honor uh, to introduce to you uh, a man who I have the highest regard for, who brought me to Illinois two years ago. In 2019, his leadership led to a $45 billion investment in the Rebuild Illinois Capital Program, including $420 million for broadband alone. At the time, the state's largest, the country's largest state-based broadband matching grant program ever. Now, of course, the years since, we've seen hundreds and hundreds and billions of dollars invested in broadband, but I still think that Illinois does it best. And so, folks, again, it is my honor to introduce to you... Ben Jarofsky! (laughs) (laughs) That's well done. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, December 14th is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and... Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky if you want to help this program out as well. And hey, subscribe, Chicago Reader. It is Tuesday, December 14th, and pre-recorded from my apartment, and yeah, he's back in California. This is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome back Delia Ramirez. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Fridge Top Ben Tuesday. I forgot what day it was. And here's why. Because my entire broadcasting empire, ladies and gentlemen, is from the top of a fridge, a small fridge, a mini fridge, you might say, in the corner of an Airbnb somewhere in Los Angeles. Yes, I'm visiting my kids in Los Angeles for Christmas. We're still doing the show because we're the hardest working podcasters in America. Yes, we were voted uh, by our listeners. Did you know that, D? Hardest working podcast in America. We were voted by our really? listeners. Really? Yeah. You and me were the only one who got to vote on that one. And uh, so here I am in the corner. If you could see it, you just, you got, you know what? You got to see it to believe it. I'm literally in the corner. I'm looking at an array of bulls hats, my bulls hats. I brought my bulls hats to represent. And already, by the way, I'll tell you what, don't ever say Californians aren't astute, D. Last night I was at a grocery store, and the guy at the checkout counter goes, yo, dude, man, are you from Chicago? I'm like, how'd you know that? Your hat, man. He actually didn't sound like that at all, but I don't know. (laughs) So anyway, sounds pretty good, D, right? This one sounds better than the last one, doesn't it? Sound what? Your, uh, Your fridge top? Deal yes, you got going? Well, top. This is this is the first time you've done this, right? This is the trial run, essentially, right? Yes. All right. The trial All run. Right. So there could be a point in this program, listeners, where everything just falls off the. 
I mean, Remember trial and error. Airbnb, for some reason, things just stop working. I don't know what. Anyway, so that's where I am, and I'm on top of a refrigerator in the corner of a room. Uh, who's calling me? Oh, there we oh. go. Great. Uh, <laughs> Great. Content. Love it when my guests text in. Uh, Delia Ramirez. We haven't received the link yet. Oh. Well, that's because we haven't sent it. We. All right, guests. Who's right. we? I thought we were just talking to her. I know. Well, we. I know. It's the whole team. Uh, the state representative, <laughs> Delia Ramirez, now uh, running for Congress. The third congressional. That would be fascinating uh, conversation with her up ahead. But oh, Dia, before we uh, uh, bring uh, Delia onto the show. Uh, and I've already explained uh, that it's new digs. I got new digs here in the fridge on top of the fridge uh, in the corner. I just want to say we got some emails this week uh, that I want to share with folks this weekend. One is from the legendary Eric Zorn, writer, columnist, poet, guitar player, and basketball player. I'm not sure he's a poet, but I throw it in there to make him look good. And a stickler for pronunciation, apparently. Yes. Yes, that's exactly the point I was going to make. Great minds think alike. If you could read my mind. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, as you know, or you may have known, we announced this last week. Uh, he was giving, uh, given a very important title on the Ben Jarofsky show. He's the editor in charge of correcting Ben's mispronunciations. Okay, so it's a very busy job he has. Day doesn't go by where I don't butcher some name or word. And he's very busy, and he's already demanding a raise, D. He wants him, us to double his salary. Damn, that Eric Zorn's tough. Him and Monroe. <laughs> just starting to feel sorry for the Tribune. And I put up with this guy for all these years. Anyway, I must inform you, he wrote, this is actually kind of related to a certain a doctor. Yeah, Adina. I was say, I, I mispronounce it. You're taking all the heat here. Oh, God, now I got to do uh, Alexi Giannoulis, whose name I'm probably butchering right now, running for secretary of state, uh, the man most likely to resemble Barack Obama when he starts talking. In fact, I believe the central like theory behind his campaign is if he sounds enough like Barack Obama, people will think he actually is Barack Obama and they'll vote for him. So he, when he talks about driver's license, he goes, uh, your picture is on your license. Uh, very important. Um, well, actually, yeah, I think uh, you're, yeah, just, just vote for me, please. <laughs> you know what? I got to say this. I've been really hard on Bill Clinton, and he deserves every minute of it. But I think he has a more interesting accent than Barack Obama. Don't you think? Uh, I love Dr. T. <laughs> Dr. T. <laughs> My favorite. Anyway, sorry. Eric didn't mean to go on a tangent. Hold on. I lost your email. Eric. Oh, my hold God. On, Turn on. your phone on. So here's what it is. According to Eric Zorn, it's Genulius, mm. not Gianulus. Genulius. All right, D? Genu- Get it right. Okay. Genulius. Genulius. It's a tough one. And then he says, uh, I am sending you my uh, invoice in a separate uh, email for my editing. He's duties. funny. He's a tough guy, that Eric Zorn. All right. He's demanding a raise already. Uh, the second email we got, here we go, is from uh, avid listener, great editor, uh, Linda Paul. Uh, now, a lot of people go, oh, Linda Paul, Billy Paul's wife. No, she's not married to the man who's saying me and Mrs. Johnson. Oh, wow, there's probably like two people thinking that. <laughs> I don't even think Linda Paul knows that one. She's like, what? Who? She's married to Kenny Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Kenny D last week at the hideout. Started doing imitation me, doing imitation of him. Anyway, 
Last week, uh, Dennis had this idea. Here's what we're going to do, Ben. It was in a pre-show uh, planning meeting. And he was smoking a pipe because during pre-show, Dennis smokes a pipe. Because he's a very thoughtful editorial producer. And he said, here's what we're going to do, Ben. I got this vision. We're going to get you in a car. We're going to spot one of our many sponsors uh, to pay for the car. <laughs> one of our <laughs> Sorry, that's just funny in and of itself. And we're going to send you out. All right, follow me on this, Ben. And we're going to see how far you have to go leaving the city limits. You follow me, Ben? You follow me? Hold on. I got an incoming call. Shh. Hold all calls. Bertha? Bertha's Dennis's secretary. So he says, I got this idea. How far do we have to leave the city limits before we see a Pritzker sucks sign? And I was like, wow, that is a great idea. And it could be like a Mustang convertible. I'm thinking Mustang convertible kind of car. You know what I'm saying, D? Get one of our sponsors to buy me a Mustang convertible. Wouldn't What's that wrong something? with your car? You have a car. Yeah, but come on. My old, come on. That thing versus, I don't even know what kind of car it is. It's a boring car. Anyway, uh, Linda Paul writes in, by the way, for 10 trivia points. Let's see if Dennis knows this. What high school did Linda Paul graduate from? Oh, Linda Paul obviously went to Whitney Young. Negatory. She went to Evanston Township High School. Uh, Linda Paul writes in, I like Governor Pritzker, so I'm sorry to say I didn't need to leave the northwest side before spotting this sign. See, not too far from Montrose and Elston. And sure enough, there's a bungalow. uh, There's an American flag on the front. uh, And right there, right next to the railing of the front steps, Pritzker sucks. Oh, man, come on, dude, at uh, Montrose and Elston. What has J.B. Pritzker done to you? You got a good life? What the heck, man? Why are you putting the Pritzker sucks? I didn't see a router sucks sign on your front lawn. Router was destroying the state. Just say, come on. Well, I'm going to around, like I'm gonna have to look around more in the city for these. I thought for sure there wouldn't be any in the city, but. Yes, there are, uh, there's one, at least one that we know of. Thanks to Linda, uh, married to Ken Davis, not Billy Paul, proud graduate of Evanston High School. Andy, all right, if you get this one, I will buy you a, a, a truck. Oh, I will buy you a truck. Wow. <laughs> what junior high did Linda Paul graduate what, from? Why do you know this? You're, <laughs> you're a creeper. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know what middle school you went to. I don't know. Evanston Middle School. Wow. Very good. I'll give you credit. Shoot junior high. It is in Evanston. All right. Enough on that. Yeah. While we wait for for, uh, Delia Ramirez to join us, I got a comment uh, on the news yesterday, which D, I just got such immense delight out of on so many levels. City Council, Chicago City Council. Uh, I'm I'm talking like Obama all of a sudden. Chicago City Council. Uh, You do it more than you realize. I know. I, I'm hoping that, like, if I just like fall into my Obama invitation, uh, I'll become rich like Obama. It hasn't worked out, folks. Maybe some people will vote for me. I'm going to vote for that Ben guy for president. Uh, anyway, Chicago City Council had a uh, meeting yesterday, a hearing on whether it's a good idea to allow uh, betting, sports betting, at the major sports venues in Chicago. And uh, the United Center, where my beloved Chicago Bulls used to play before they, they all got COVID, uh, a matter I addressed in this week's Reader Newsletter, by the way. 
be discussing that throughout the week. The Jordan curse. Yes, there is a Jordan curse. Uh, so the, uh, the United Center where my beloved Chicago Bulls play, uh, the United Center where the Blackhawks also play. Not big hockey fan, as people know. Uh, though I used to like Robert Marvin Hall, Bobby Hall. Uh, Wrigley Field, where uh, I used to like them, but I just cannot stand the owners anymore, so I don't like them anymore. Chicago Cubs play. Tom Ricketts was there. Uh, and uh, so it was like those three. It was like Jerry Reinsdorf and uh, Rocky Works and the Blackhawks. Uh, and um, who was the third one? Tom Ricketts uh, were there. Neil Bloom uh, was there in opposition. Uh, Neil Bloom owns a gambling casino in Des Plaines. Uh, he wants to bid off of the right to own a casino in Chicago. And his argument is that if you allow sports ops, uh, betting parlors at uh, United Center, Wrigley Field, et cetera. Uh, it'll take away from the business that would go to the casino and it wouldn't be worth his while or it would cut into his revenues. And all these rich guys, D, are fighting over like relative crumbs. They're billionaires. You get what I'm saying? Whatever they're going to make from gambling is like a dollar to you. And they're fighting over it. It was like an eye-opening moment in my life. Like, Worrying about money does not end if you have a lot of money. It's just a different kind of worry. You know, like none of these guys are worried about whether they're going to pay their light bill or whether there's going to be enough food in the refrigerator. You get what I'm saying? It's not that kind of money worry. It's like, I got more and I want more. I got a lot and I want even a lot or more. You know what I'm saying? It's like more, more, more. And additionally, they're competitive as hell. So I don't want the other guy to get more. Kind of a weird vibe. So give me some insights. What, what happened well, to you our guest? offended our guest with this more, more, more thing. <laughs> I told you not to do the more, more, more thing. Oh, my God. My guest left. I was all set to just introduce her. And uh, so anyway, very interesting. Uh, I think this would be a topic of a... Um, uh, a feature column. I feel like a feature column coming on this to, to watch these super rich guys battle over like, again, pennies to them. It's it's like, guys, what do you first Neil Bloom? Let them let have their money. You're, if you're going to go to a casino. Ah, here we go. She's back. There she is. Hi. Morris has joined us. Maybe perhaps a new congresswoman from the city of Chicago. Some people say she's Chicago's AOC. We'll get to that. Uh, anyway, so uh, interesting battle in the city council. I'm sure Dennis and I will have much more to talk about it as the week goes on, particularly, you know, what a week. The rich guys from Chicago sports teams battling in the city council for the right for the city to give them even more money than they already have. All right, enough on that. It's my uh, pleasure to introduce State Representative Delia Ramirez, now congressional candidate Delia Ramirez. Delia, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yes, having you back, I should say. Delia's been on the show several times, and she was my guest at the hideout uh, in August, I want to say, with uh, Robert Martwick, State Senator Robert Martwick. They were talking about uh, the elected school board bill. Uh, perhaps her finest uh, legislative achievement, although I'm not sure Lori Lightfoot would agree with that uh, position. Uh, and uh, Delia, big news. I saw this last week. Uh, I think I saw it um, in the Sun-Times first. No, a dear friend of mine, Ryan Kelleher, texted this mm-hmm. to me. And uh, shout out to Ryan Kelleher, a dear friend of mine. I've known her since she was like in freshman year of high school. Um, 
You are running for uh, Congress uh, in the third congressional district, the newly drawn third congressional district. There is no incumbent. It's an open seat. Uh, so it's really it's the person who wins this election. If things go the way they usually do in Chicago, could be a congressperson for like the next 20 years. So this is a very important election. Uh, and so, Deli, let's just start with a few basics. Number one, where is the third congressional district? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, the third congressional district is, starts in the city of Chicago. Um, as you mentioned, it's a brand new district that's made up of a couple of other um, former congressional districts like the north side for Congressman Garcia and parts of the district for um, Congressman Sean Kasten and also a little bit of um, areas from, from other from other congresspeople. But it starts in Logan Square and it goes all the way to West Chicago and then it goes to the right also to parts of Elgin and it crosses over as it goes west um, from Logan Square to Humble Park in the city, to Belmont Cragen, to Montclair in the city, to Dunning Portage Park. So a lot of these neighborhoods. And then it goes into Bensonville, parts of Franklin Park. And uh, you have Hanover Park as well. And Wheaton, right? So you have Wheaton, Elgin, West Chicago, a little bit of St. Charles. So it's a, it's a pretty diverse district. It's about 43. It's called what we call a coalition district, which is a majority minority district uh, where almost 60 percent of the district is made up of um, Latinos, um, African-Americans and Asian-Americans. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty cool district that I'm really honored to get to run to represent. All right. And uh, as you said, it's a newly created district uh, in the old days of, uh, to uh well, really, it was like goes back to 1990s, early 1990s. Uh, they created a district uh, specifically so it could elect uh, a Latino and send a Latino congressperson to uh, Chicago. And the beneficiary of that was Luis Gutierrez, who was the congress congressman from this district. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm losing track of time, Deli, about 20 years. Uh, so essentially what Longer. they did is they... What's that? 1992, I think. Yeah, 1992 he started, and um, uh, he left office in 2018. So, yeah, it's about 26 years, actually. Sorry, Louis. Uh, and uh, what they did was they cut off the southern portion of this district and uh, created a t completely north side Chicago, northwest side Chicago, and into the suburbs district. And um, so what gave you the idea, Dahlia, that you uh, uh, wanted to run uh, for uh, uh, Congress? What made you say, you know what, this is my time, I'm doing this? You know, uh, a number of conversations, certainly starting with family and with a lot of the same people who asked me to run the first time back in 2017, coupled with a number of my colleagues. This is a coalition district. <laughs> my heart is about coalition and, and really recognizing that no one group, right, can do this work together. Not if we're really going to be about changing the way that representation looks, but also the way that we work to make sure that Congress um, is representative of, of daily issues for our colleagues and for our, also for, for our constituents. So for me, um, it meant an opportunity to bring that representation, um, but to also build a broader coalition um, with a lot of the things that we've worked with at the state level, front and center. And things like working on expanding, you know, the work we do around housing or healthcare or, you know, campaign finance reform and education, particularly as we continue to have this conversation about student debt. 
um, and income inequality. So for me, uh, it means an opportunity to bring others along. And I said this in launch, Ben, I might be the one that will be on the ballot, but we're all running. Uh, I am a representation of folks in West Chicago, as I'm a representation of folks in Logan Square and Humboldt Park. Um, it's about bringing us through the process and making sure that they're the ones represented in Congress. We need more of that. All right. So people in Wheaton may be hearing your voice for the first time or just meeting you for the first time. So why don't you tell them something about Dele Ramirez, uh, that they need to know who you are, how you got to this, the game of politics and so forth. Ben, who I am is someone that spent 20 years of my life in public service. I started volunteering in the church basement when I was in my teens and my first job was being the mail lady for about 2,000 people who had no permanent mailing address. And at 17, I knew that there was far more to be done if we wanted to go from a Band-Aid in addressing homelessness to really getting to the root cause of it. It's why I spent 13 years of my life really building this community organization to get to the issues that cause homelessness to begin with which is underemployment, right? Um, lack of affordable housing, um, lack of income equality. So I've spent a lot of my time working with people addressing issues of housing, but I didn't do that alone. I mean, one, yes, community folks, but it was also community leaders from other cities and municipalities and, 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 and neighborhoods. <laughs> folks that came from Libertyville on Sunday and made sure the soup kitchen was up and running. Um, people that came from St. Charles and made sure to donate um, to be able to expand the shelter into permanent stable housing. So that's where my work started, but that's really also where my hunger for advocacy really began to expand. I, I left there and got a fellowship with the Community Trust as an emerging leader, went to learn in Central America about how to bring culturally competent resources and really be uh you know, be able to help organizations have evidence-based resources to help people with income equality. And then I hope I helped um, a group open up an immigration clinic in Logan Square. And then I went on to work for Common Cause Illinois, um, an organization, a democracy organization, really working at, you know, getting um, big money out of politics and, and expanding voting rights. And finally, before I said yes to run for office for the first time, I had the opportunity to work for a social justice organization, really working at the intersection of race and justice, particularly around criminal justice and education. So that's been who I've, who I've been over the last year since 17 to, to 35, which was at the point I ran for office. But in those three years as an elected, I knew that we, I just didn't have a time to sit there and wait to do this work. I knew that we had to make um, a real priority and make a commitment to make housing an absolute priority. And boy, I'm glad we did. COVID showed us the housing insecurity and the correlation between housing insecurity and the rates of COVID cases in homes. So I passed legislation uh, on some of the most historical legislation to help people keep their homes um, to help landlords get assistance as quickly as possible and make sure that these projections that we had seen at the beginning of last year where 100,000 people could be in the street would not be the case because we would be making sure that $1.5 billion would get into rental assistance into the hands of landlords and consequently keeping people at home during the holidays. But Ben, I didn't stop there. I mean, there's stuff to be done around education. And I had the honor to be the lead sponsor in passing 
uh, a bill that folks have been working on for years in Chicago, which is the, elect, the, the elected school board bill, um, making it possible for the first time in Chicago that the Board of Education be elected and not just appointed by its mayor. Um, and finally, I'd say to you that when it comes to healthcare, we knew those hit the hardest were the ones that had no access. Um, the hardest by COVID was those that had no access to, to healthcare. So I helped lead the charge with the Latino Legislative Caucus to be able to expand healthcare coverage for undocumented seniors. 8,000 people today have healthcare for the first time, reducing the cost of the hospital system because people are now getting proactive health and not coming in in an emergency when they're nearly dying. That's why I am and that's why I want to be. <laughs> All right, let's take it uh, point by point. I'm going to start with the elected school board uh, first, and then we'll break it down from there because you gave me a lot to work off of there, Adelia. All right, elected school board. Uh, I, make, I make no bones about it. I was a huge supporter of it. Uh, if only just to shake things up in the city of Chicago. This is me speaking, not Delia. Uh, I felt that the appointed school board situation that we've had for the last 30, uh, 30 years or ever since they changed the law in 95, uh, has not worked well for the public schools of Chicago or the citizens of Chicago. Just having a bunch of robots and puppets do whatever the mayor says is not a good idea. In my humble opinion, ladies and gentlemen, this is me speaking, not Delia. So I was cheering you on in Martwick, Rob Martwick. Shout out to you uh, to get that bill passed. Uh, not surprisingly, Delia. <laughs> anything I support is generally uh, re vehemently resisted by the powers of being the city of Chicago. And one big, powerful person that resisted the hell out of it was one Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I think she, I don't, she probably hates Rob Martwick more than any person in the universe not named Stacey Davis Gates. And you may be on that list as well. So right now, Gil Viegas, who used to be uh, the mayor's floor leader, is also an announced candidate. Do you think the Mayor Lori Lightfoot is, you know, she's got that long memory for grudges, is going to hold uh, your support of the elected school board against you and work like hell against you uh, to uh, to make sure that you are not elected congressperson uh, from the newly uh, created third district. Ben, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I don't. What I think, though, is that what we did with the elected representative school board bill was bring democracy in an educational system that's never had it. And for anyone to hold that against me uh, would be to not believe in democracy and accountability. So my hope is that people are looking at who I've been, what I've done, because they know what they're going to get with me. Since, uh, since I was in my teens, I've been working my, my life to, to ensure that people around us in my neighborhood before I was in elected office, in my district from the eastern to the western part, that they have the resources, that they have the information to access resources. And passing the elected representative school board bill gave and gives our parents in the city of Chicago what every other district, which now I have more of these districts um, in this congressional run, have, which is an, uh, an ability to decide who gets to make decisions on their school board. Being against that would be being against democracy. And I just hope that no one would want to do that. Yes, I mean, point out uh, that uh, it's not just the city of Chicago uh, who that are in this district, but I'm going to name some of the, the communities that are also in the new, uh, the third. Elgin, Bensonville, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hanover Park, and Wheaton. Every single one of them has an elected school board. Right. 
<laughs> so let's see how Mayor Lori Lightfoot's pitch works in Wheaton with the Wheatonians who love their elected school board. Uh, so, all right, now let's get down to some of the issues of uh, income inequality. I know that's a, a passion of yours to sort of like balance things out a little bit. And before you came on, I was talking about the city council squabble that went on yesterday, which is just a beaut. And this is me speaking again, not Delia, uh, where the powerful sports moguls, uh, the people who own the, cu- uh, the Cubs, the, uh, White, uh, the White Sox, Bulls, Blackhawks were facing off against a gentleman named Neil Bloom in the city council. And boy, did they get an audience uh, from the aldermen who were listening attentively, <laughs> probably asked for autographs afterwards. How can I be rich just like you? Uh, and um, so uh, and the issue was whether they would allow sports uh, betting at the sports venues. All right. Like United Center, Wrigley Field. Uh, I'm not asking you about that. You don't need to weigh into that one, uh, Delia, unless you want to. Uh, But what I just found so fascinating about it, these are billionaires, Delia Ramirez. And like whatever crumbs they're going to get from squeezing the suckers who bet on football games or baseball games or basketball games and who will probably lose because that's how you make money off of gambling, the state, by squeezing people who lose. Uh, whatever money they make is crumbs in their empire and they want more. And this is my way of saying fighting in income inequality is no joke. (laughs) Duh. I mean, these cats are so rich and they want more. And any attempt uh, in the state of Illinois, uh, Delia, to change that, be it a fair tax, is generally met with huge resistance. Uh, from the folks who don't want to pay more, even though they have more than everybody else. So you go off to Washington you're, as the newly elected congresswoman. What are you going to do uh, to advance the cause of income, income quality, I guess I want to call it, just more fairly distributing the pie and more fairly uh, passing out the responsibilities and the obligations uh, for funding the things we uh, commonly use, like schools and streets and police, et cetera, and so forth. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Ben, that that's the that's the day to day that I, I know that we're struggling with in every corner of the third district, but also in the entire state. You have people who and, and I'm going to give you a quick story. I, I decided to launch my campaign, not just with the press release, not just with some launch party, but I wanted to spend time in the district from the most western part to the most eastern part. So we took on a listening tour um, and stopped in five places um, from from West Chicago to Addison, Illinois, um, to Portage Park, and the list goes on. Here's what I heard people say. How come I am 66 years old? I've worked 40 years of my life, and I'm now cashing in my retirement to help cover costs for my, 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 my child's college debt that if, they, if I don't help them pay this off, um, they'll never be able to get out of debt and, and live a life with financial stability. I heard people talk about what it's like to own their home after 35 years, like my father, and not have a union, not have a pension, not have those benefits. And so therefore, when they get their social security check, 250 of that has to go to their supplemental care because otherwise they can't afford health care. I heard parents ask me over and over, you know, Delia, if, if we really care about getting more um, 
therapists and counselors and psychologists and teachers, how about we start providing them free college tuition if these are the public service positions they're taking on? They're certainly not doing this to become rich. But boy, if you owe $100,000 from your master's degree to be a therapist and you're getting paid $45,000 a year, how exactly is that fair? This is the kind of thing that I hear over and over, and I've certainly heard it in the fourth district as a state rep, but I know it's the same thing across. People make a little bit more, and somehow those taxes are still so deep, right, on working families, on our middle class, that they never feel like they're getting ahead because the rich continue to find every single loop bend possible to not have to pay a dime. And if they pay $300 for the $3 million, that is criminal to me. So for me, I, I know that the third district needs a congressperson who's not going to be afraid to take on these difficult fights on behalf of the communities. I'm confident that I'm going to be that candidate most qualified because that's what I've been doing my entire life. And that's who I've shown to be the last three years as a state representative and now a system majority leader. It's bringing the experience, it's having the will and making sure you know who you work for. I'm a full-time state representative. I don't have another job. I'm not a lobbyist on the side. I don't do this. I do this because I wanna know that I'm in the best position to represent people that have sent me to Springfield. It's the same thing I'm gonna be when I go to Congress for the third district. All right, now uh, I've gotta ask you uh, the uh, woman question. Uh, and this is a conversation uh, that uh, I've had on the show many, many times. Uh, and the hesitancy uh, women to run for a really high profile office uh, is always um, it's always a challenging thing, to put it mildly. I remember this back in 2018 when the women ran for uh, uh, the open gubernatorial nomination to go up against Bruce Rauner. So I'm sure, uh, Delia, you're young, you're millennial, uh, that when you announced you were running, there were powerful people who either directly called you or called middlemen that would reach out to you and go, hey, come on, she's pushing too fast. Can you tell her to slow back? We'll give her a special assignment in the state rep uh, in the house if she drops out. You know how they play the game in Chicago. I'm sure that happened, Delia. Uh, and uh, my response as you're, if I were your coach, would be, don't fall for it. Don't be one of those women who sacrifices her career for the boys. Mm -hmm. And maybe I say that because I got girls I was always pushing in the sports. <laughs> so here's what I say to you. I think it's really important that uh, we have another woman elected to Congress. I say that. That's me speaking, not Delia. And uh, I want to know if you share my thought, my feelings on that one. And have you been the recipient of this kind of pressure uh, and also, finally, you know, uh, why why is it that they always ask the woman to step back and sacrifice her career, but they never ask the guys to? No, I don't believe anyone's telling Alderman Vallegas, hey, come on, you got to let Delia have her moment. Come on. So, uh, Delia, the floor is yours. Ben, I... I got a lot of calls. I got, first of all, I got a lot of calls asking me to run um, by people that I, by colleagues of mine who I thought would be running or would want to run. I got calls from others saying, gosh, 
we need you in the state legislature. The three years there, we've done so much. We've passed historical legislation on economic development from housing to healthcare to education. Are you ready to take this risk? You're an assistant majority leader, and in two years you got into leadership. You are risking everything. Is it worth it? And Ben, the answer is yes. I've never been in this for the title, and I've never been in this work to make a profit. Quite frankly, when I ran for state rep, I took a significant cut and made a commitment to be a full-time legislator. That's what makes me relatable. And so people have said, yeah, well, you're young, you should wait. Yeah, I'm youngish, and and in, but I also have 20 years of experience. I know how to balance a budget. I've been working as a budget budgeteer for the state house for the last two years. The truth is that if I was sitting and waiting my turn, Ben Jarofsky, right now, we would not be the state that has the most comprehensive housing resources in the entire nation. If I did that, that call that I got from a woman who told me, run, 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 and said to me, Delia, because of you, my mom for the first time has health care. And boy, I wish you would have been in the legislature four years ago. My father would not have died from cancer. That would not have happened. And it's the same thing I say for Congress. Yes, I'm a woman, unapologetically a woman. Yes, I'm a Latina, unapologetically a Latina. But I'm not just running to be the Latina in this race. I'm running to be the representative for every single person in the third congressional. All right. Uh, and uh, you would also be, let me count, uh, on the Democratic side, Jan Schakowsky, Robin Kelly. Uh, well, we don't know if Marie Numa will be there because uh, she's battling Sean Kasson for the right uh, to uh, represent that uh, seat. Uh, but, yeah, the third, uh, maybe the fourth or the third uh, uh, woman in Congress. And, by the way, I should just point out uh, two other guests, uh, frequent guests on the show, are also running to be uh, uh, Congresswomen. Latisa Wallace is running, and uh, Keena Collins is running against Danny K. Davis in the seventh. It would be uh, remiss for me uh, not to mention them as well. All right. Uh, I, uh, when, when I talked to you this morning before we went on the air, I said, you're going to be Chicago's AOC. And uh, whenever I say that, I have to smile because it's so funny. I know so many lefties in the city of Chicago progressives, whatever you guys want to call yourself. I don't care. Uh, and yet it, New York was the city that elected uh, sort of like the boldest new voice in progressive politics back in 2018, congressional uh, progressive politics with AOC. And I was like, why isn't Chicago capable of electing an AOC? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it's been explained to me many times. Uh, Samina Mustafa used to come on the show all the time until she left Chicago. Uh, she ran against Mike Quigley and the same election that, a cycle that AOC ran and she lost to Quigley. And she was, she's talked about that, the challenges in Chicago, like the conservatism in Chicago uh, that prevented her uh, from beating a, an incumbent. Uh, you're running in an open seat, so you don't have to worry about incumbents. Is Chicago ready are the voters of Chicago ready to elect someone who is as progressive as AOC? It's Chicago and the suburbs, right? 40% is Chicago, 60% the suburbs. I would rephrase the question. Is the third district in Illinois ready to elect the DCR to run for Congress? I'm not AOC. I respect her and I can't wait to work with her. 
Brandelia Catalina Ramirez. I want to ask the state of Illinois, based on who I've been, based on what we've done together, are you ready to elect DCR? Because I'm ready to go and represent you. And I think that what people want is someone that actually does what they say, keeps those promises, and works really hard and stays relevant and connected to its people. Ask any of my state rep um, constituents, that's who I've been. Are you ready to elect me? Uh, excuse my utter ignorance about this, and I apologize for not knowing the answer to a question I'm about to ask. But by running for Congress, do you have to give up your seat in the state house? I do. Uh, my opponent doesn't. This is not about comfort, Ben. This is about stepping up to leadership when our community needs it the most. I'm rooted. I'm ready. I have results, and I'm ready to take them to Congress. Man, Vegas is so happy right now. He goes, come on, I get to be alderman and I run for Congress. Delia has given it up, uh, folks. I thought that would be the answer, but uh, I had to make sure. All right, now I got to ask the Trump question. <laughs> if you go to uh, if you go to Congress on the front lines, it's not like in the state house where most of the people are Democrats. Everybody feels good about being a Democrat. Yeah, you got DB Darren Bailey running around. Uh, like a clown. Uh, yeah, that's true. There's a few MAGA people down there. Uh, but for the most part, it's Democrats. You go to Congress. Oh, my goodness, Delia. You got to deal with Marjorie Taylor Greene. You got to deal with Lauren Boebert. You got to deal with Kevin McCarthy, the wimp. You know, he's afraid to stand up to them. And you got uh, Donnie Trump. He's going to be running in 2024. We all know that. Uh, so what can you, Delia Ramirez, as Congresswoman uh, from the 3rd, do to battle MAGA? Mm-hmm. Ben, I think what's unique of me, and it's because of how I was raised and the and the people that have invested in me, like Nancy Artema from LSNA and other people in community, I am an organizer at heart. And what I know that is most critical is building coalitions and caucusing together. That's what I intended to do. Um, and what I did when I went to the state legislature, building strong relationships with the Black Caucus, the Latino Caucus, and the Progressive Caucus, and also working with my moderate Democrats so that we pass all these things. Because, you know, I need 60 votes. They're not all in one caucus. That's what I intend to do. What I'm not going to do is sit there and wait to be part of the work and part of the solution. I am about relationships and strengthening our voter block to make sure we're delivering to our people because people, what they need is actual solutions and delivery, not another campaign promise that we're going to change the world for them overnight. It's actually doing the work. That's what I'll do. Uh, And against Marjorie and Trump and all of those who continue to take away from everything that we are. Yeah, no, they'll come right at you. I mean, they'll play around. It's not like, I don't know what your relationship with Darren Bailey or one of the MAGA people downstate is, but they come at you. They like threaten to shoot you. They, uh, they mock and malign you. They use you, uh, to raise money by trying to use you as to scare MAGA. I mean, MAGA doesn't play Delia. And I think people in Chicago, uh, have been sheltered from that because we like to live in this little, you know, I don't even want to call it progressive bubble, but democratic bubble, we'll call it a democratic bubble. And, but I, I follow this obsessively, what MAGA is doing outside of Chicago. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, in my humble opinion, it's frightening. And they're already making movements uh, to make sure that no matter who wins the 2024 election, uh, Donnie Trump is sworn in. So if they got to violate all the, the rules and regulations that have existed since this country was founded. They will do so because that's how much they love uh, and revere and swear an oath of obedience to Donald Trump. So I Ben, I, the only way we change that is engaging an electorate, like really authentically engaging them and actually keeping them up to date and making sure that we stay accountable to them. This idea that I come and see you only when I run for Congress or run for state rep and you have no idea what I'm doing on your behalf, that's why people don't go out and vote. This idea that you just provide some fluff to people and then expect that they're going to um, drink the Kool-Aid and believe you, that's why people are not out there. People need to see themselves in us and people need to hold us accountable to what we promise to do. That's how we're going to be able to take on the Trumpies. That's how we're going to be able to boost the local economy. That's how we're going to be able to make sure that people don't have to worry about the insulin cost at the federal level between buying my insulin or paying my mortgage or my rent. But we have to show up, people, and we have to engage each other. And we need to do better at that because we're not. All right. Fair enough. Uh, And I know this will be the first of many conversations because we're just at the very uh, outset uh, of this campaign. You pointed out to me before we went on the air that March, God, March of uh, 2022 is when you have to turn in your signatures. How many signatures do you need to be on the, do you know, how many good ones do you need? We're going to collect a lot of signatures, but it's my understanding that we need a little bit under 500. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so, and then of course the uh, primary is in June. So this is going to be, this is going to be one of the hottest, uh, congressional, uh, primaries folks in the upcoming year, because again, it's an open seat, uh, and, uh, it'll be Gilbert Villegas, uh, the, probably the two leading candidates will be Alderman Gilbert Villegas, who is, uh, well, was an ally of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. We'll see if he uh, still considers himself an ally of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, and State Representative Deli Ramirez, who's one of the leading progressives uh, in the General Assembly. Deli, before I let you go, anything, one last thing you want to say to folks, how they can get in touch with you, uh, anything, anything, you, any f- one final message you want to give out? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, I would say come and visit my website. It's deliaforcongress.com. And um, you can go ahead and just find information about our campaign. But I would end with this. Who someone has been prior to running for office, who someone has been while in office, in my case, is a good indication of who that person will be in higher office. And like they say, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. In this case, I'm showing people who I am. And I hope that they believe me and I hope that I can earn their support. All right. Very good, Delia. Appreciate it. And uh, I know I'll be talking to you in the coming uh, months. All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. That's Delia Ramirez, state representative uh, from the northwest side of Chicago. And as you heard, she announced that she's running for uh, Congress, the newly created third congressional district. Uh, It'll be a fascinating race uh, to see how that one uh, shapes out. Uh, I want to thank Delia for coming on the show. And I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, for putting it all together. Without him, we couldn't do it. Uh, And we're doing it from this makeshift space uh, in the corner of uh, 
kitchen uh, somewhere out in the middle of Los Angeles. And I'm looking at the wall and I'm top of a refrigerator. I don't know how we got this one off D, but miracle of miracles. We got this show off. Uh, so I want to thank you very much for helping me get through it. And as Delia and Aaron Connolly can tell you, uh, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. And the D stands for Demarvelous. Marvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Mm-hmm.